talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. Here are things that I have put in my mouth. Um, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. And I'm Sandra from Ottawa. And welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically the stuff you talk about with your friends. And we post it so you can laugh at us. We also have some really cool guests. Today, we are going to talk to the head coach of the Women's Curling World Champions Team Home and Rink. It's it's a big, big title, and we're going to have a big, big conversation. Yeah, one guy in a sea of women. That can't be good. <laughs> I think it's great, actually. <laughs> I think I think I think he's the luckiest guy in the world, and I can't wait to hear the story. All right. So, what's your quick this week, Sandra? Uh, well, Hillary. Uh, yesterday, the most random thing in the world happened to me. I went to emergency because I just about blew out my colon. <laughs> what? Oh, do we really need to talk about your colon again? Yeah, we're th- yeah we're talking about my colon again. I know. So, <laughs> the one thing I hate talking about is poop, and that's the only thing I've been talking about for weeks now. The last couple um, of podcasts we did were from Antigua, and Sandra was <laughs> experiencing some dishonorable discharge. <laughs> Liquidation sale, everything must go. You got it, girl. So uh, (laughs) what did you do to your colon this time? Okay, first of all, I don't know if that's how... Okay, I know that you would make that correlation between poop and colon. Okay. But it was so random. I just started having these really, really bad uh, abdominal pains um, a couple of nights ago. And then I sucked for 36 hours. I, you know, I just dealt with it and I was in tremendous pain and I finally you know, pulled a pin on it yesterday morning and I went to emerge and I have um, something called diverticulitis and that's when pouches form in your colon. I know exactly what it is. You get it when you're, um, I don't want to say it. When the, say it when you're older. What? No. Because <laughs> someone said their grandma had it. I'm like, oh no, that's not what I have. I have, I have another kind. I have the younger version of diverticulitis. They say that people over 50 will get it. Yeah, it's probably exacerbated by your experience in Antigua. (laughs) I feel like my colon had experienced a lot of action in Antigua, but, you know, a few things happened that I didn't enjoy. The first thing is when you're doubled over in pain and you don't have a full face of makeup, being recognized by the nurse was not my favorite. Yeah, and you're in for something to do with your colon. And you're in for something to do with your colon. And then, you know, you have to get a CAT scan. And so anyway, listen, at the end of the day, it was just antibiotics. I was okay. Maybe had I left it longer, I may have needed surgery. So everything's fine and treatable. But then they told me I have to get a colonoscopy as sort of a follow-up. Not too pressing, but down the road. In the next few months. They want to check it to see how bad it is. I am not getting a colonoscopy. It's not that That bad. That is not happening. They give you the good drugs and you're like, (laughs) let me tell you the story about my colonoscopy. Oh, you've had one? I had to have one for, um, to check before my surgery because I had abdominal surgery. I had gastric bypass and they check everything to make sure that it's all good before they cut a piece out, right? Because if you have stuff going on, they don't want to take some out and then have issue with it later. So they give you the good drugs. It's kind of like laughing gas, but they also put you like semi under, not like fully under. I've heard of that. It's twilight. Yeah. And uh, I can remember as I was kind of going under, I had a very nice, very nice gastroenterologist. I can't even say it. Butt doctor. 
And she was like young, like late 20s, attractive. And I looked at her while they were getting ready to put the scope where the sun don't shine. And I said, so you're a nice looking girl. How did you get into butts anyway? (laughs) I wonder if she was a little girl. She said, Mom, I want to be a butt doctor when I grow up. Maybe her mom had diverticulitis and she was just really into it. So, But how is the colonoscopy, honestly? It's not bad at all. Like, you don't even care. Do you, um, uh, do they have to, like, clean out the pipes before they go in? Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how, and how do they do that? So, you have to fast for a long time, which will make you bitchy. Yeah. Really bitchy. (laughs) Well, I've already got that down, Pat. That's fine. (laughs) Nailed it. And then you have to um, take some stuff that can be rather explosive. But, I mean, you survived Antigua, so you're fine. (laughs) Um, And how long do I do that before the actual colonoscopy? I think it's 24 hours you're off food. Okay. It's not too bad. Okay. I, I, I'm mortified by the thought of anything going up inside that part of my body. You've never had a boyfriend that missed? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not even. We're not. That's not happening right now. That is not. I know I I'm just, a Greek woman, but come on. Stop. <laughs> you stop it right now. I'm still a lady. <laughs> really? We're, we're having a likely conversation about your friend that's missed, but not but not like, you know, for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's OK. For a colonoscopy, you only remember the first few seconds. It's fine. Oh, my God. I'm just I'm I'm mortified of of people putting things in my orify. Like, I'm just I don't like that. I don't like foreign objects in me. I had I went to an ear, nose and throat doctor earlier this year and I was mortified by the scope. I mean, I just I can't handle that because my nightmare is that it'll break off and then have to live in my body forever. Have I mentioned that the good part is you don't care because you're high? Okay, well. (laughs) And if I know anything about you, you like the pharmaceuticals. If they could just give me like a nice a nice Merlot, you know, and put on some jazz music in the background, I could do that. I could do, I could totally do that. But not, you know, anyway, it's so, so political. Anyway, I'm, I know you're really concerned about my health. I'm okay. I actually Don't am worry. concerned about your health. I'm making light of it because I'm I'm worried for you. But you know what? My dad has that. So don't worry about it. He has diverse. <laughs> And by the way, when they put you on a liquid diet, I actually said, so is white wine okay? (laughs) Oh, yeah. You have to give up a whole bunch of stuff, too, food-wise, eh? Well, for the next two weeks, but otherwise, like forever. If you've got it bad, you're, like, not supposed to have anything with seeds, no nuts, nothing like that. Because they can cause serious issues. They didn't tell me that. Well, they didn't do their job. Could it be? Could it just be? Anyway, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the doctor about it, but I just feel like it was a one-off. Okay. And that uh, even though I do currently have pouches in my colon, I feel like I can recover. Okay. All right. Are we done with the colon talk? Because this is also my personal hell. I've been trying to end it for five minutes now. (laughs) We are done with the colon talk. What's your quick this Uh, week? My quick this week is how do you deal with that situation where you're out in public and you recognize somebody, but your competition? Do you say hi and do you feign nice? Or, or do you just pretend you don't see them? Like, say you see a friend that you had a fight with a while ago, 
You're you out in public. Do you say hello or you ignore them? You have to. You have okay. to say hello. I, if your eyes meet, wait, there's their conditions. If you can get out of that room quick, mm-hmm. you don't have to say hello. Okay. If you can find a way to just walk out and pretend like you never saw them, you're good. But if you are going to be there for an extended amount of time, you have to say hi, but keep walking. Right. So... On Saturday, there's something happening in London right now called London Licious. It's where you get to try a bunch of fixed price menus at restaurants. And I was checking out this brand new hot restaurant on uh, Warncliffe in town. And uh, it's just gorgeous. Super high and amazing gourmet food. I was so excited about it. Celebrating my second anniversary. And uh, I'm sitting ordering my appetizer and I look over and it's somebody who works at a competing radio station. And I like them as a person. I think they're great as a person. I, I have nothing wrong with them. But it's it's kind of awkward still. And uh, Okay. All right. There's like some weird history. Like he was at my station before I was. There's some weird stuff. And so I was trying to decide whether or not I should say hi. We never made eye contact, but we sat for a 45-minute meal one table away. Was he facing you? Yes, but it was with another couple and they were having a conversation. So he definitely saw oh, you. 100%. And nobody waved, hi, no. nothing like that. He wouldn't look directly at me. It's <laughs> like, don't stare directly <laughs> into the sun. So as we were leaving, we were both getting up to leave kind of around the same time. They had their coats on and it was a really loud restaurant. So as I walked by the table, I just kind of squeezed his arm and said, oh, hey, how are you? And like got the weirdest look and it was super awkward um i was about to say when you asked the question it's only weird if you make it weird we work in a business where it's highly competitive uh sometimes we screw each other over for jobs i thought that was going somewhere else by the way (laughs) sometimes we yeah and sometimes sometimes we say things about other people that they hear about and then that you know that we're face to face with Mm -hmm. them like we're we're jerks in this business 100 percent. but i know who you're talking about and it shouldn't be weird he he you both made it weird for no good reason i didn't mean to make it weird i just was looking for i know that he's a rather shy person so i didn't want to make a big scene and he was with another couple so i didn't want to take up his time so i waited until it was like the meal was over and I just kind of gave a little arm squeeze so I didn't have to yell across the restaurant and just said, oh, hey. And then I left. Your problem is that you waited too long to say, oh, hey. And it's on him, too, because he should have said, oh, hey, within the first five minutes. And then you could have acknowledged each other and then ignored each other. Right. So um, next time you see him, it's going to be really weird. <laughs> like, that's what I want to hear about that awkward thing. Oh, well, it's fine. I mean, it's not like I I said something terrible about him. No, but you know, the funny thing is I've come to learn about shy people is that they really get a bad rap. When shy people come off as aloof or they don't say hello, people think they're jerks. And usually they're not jerks. They're just really, really shy. So if this guy is... But you work in media and it's your job to be outgoing and talk to people. Not when you're having a private dinner with friends. Fair. He's not a dancing clown, Hillary, okay? I'm a dancing clown. I know. But, like, how many times do people stop you in the emergency room while you're getting your colon checked? Like, you have to fake it. (laughs) I was doubled over in pain and I smiled. Hi, how are you? Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) Do you have my antibiotics yet? Fantastic.
<laughs> that that's absolutely fair. But now, are you going to send him a note? By the way, maybe that's the next way to sort of smooth it over to send him a note and say hi. Uh, I'm so sorry I didn't say hello to you sooner. But I don't think that's why it was weird. I think he's just like I felt like he didn't want me to bug him. Hmm. I'm like, hmm. I'm just wondering now if he's my enemy too. <laughs> Like, do we have to both hate him now? No. Well, I don't you, hate him. I, he is not my enemy for the record. I quite like this person. I know. Me too. I absolutely do. But uh, I, I kind of feel bad for him that he can't say hello to somebody in a restaurant. That's very randomly weird to me. Yeah. He's not one of us, Hillary. That's all I can say for sure. <laughs> all right. It is time to get to the dirty, which isn't really all that dirty today. I am so excited about this particular podcast because I love the winter games. I mean, if I could take time off from work, I would just to watch because I think it's fantastic. Uh, This week, we welcome the head coach of the Women's Curling World Champions, Holman Rink, Adam Kingsbury. So excited. Hi, Adam. Hello. How are you, Sandra? Oh, I'm so good. Hi, Hillary. Hello. So um, I'm so excited to say that I know an Olympian. I can't. I mean, I don't know you very well, but now that I you like you texted me today, so I have your texting number. <laughs> so I'm like, I know an Olympian. He's going to be at the at the Winter Games. But you've known me for quite a while. I have, but you know, we're, we're not. We know each other through your father. Yes. So, um, like, I know you through. Like, I, I want to just be your friend. Okay. Now. So okay. let's sort out this all, all how you know. <laughs> Adam. So Adam is Adam Kingsbury, of course, and his father, Danny, works in your office, right, Sandra? Danny, yes, Danny used to be my boss. Amazing. So I've, I know, and then so I know Danny's children, you and your brother, Brady, I've known you since you were, I'd like to say this high, but that would age me. Probably 16 years old? That's right, because I'm not much older than you, just a little bit. And yeah, I've known you, and, and so I've known you for quite a while now, and now you are the head coach of a world champion curling team. Like, that is remarkable. Yeah, I, uh, it's pretty weird. It, <laughs> to be honest, it's, uh, it's one of those situations where you look and say, well, how did I get here? How exactly am I um, in this position right now? But it's very cool. Now, just to close the association little circle, I also know your brother. He happened to oh, be my boss at one point. <laughs> Yeah, your brother was Hillary's boss. <laughs> oh, the story. And so I, I, I can't wait I, to tell him that I talked to the <laughs> famous Kingsbury son. Oh, Hillary, can you please um, send him a text message and uh, say that to him? Because I would be, uh, you'd score me a lot of points in the um, forever struggle that exists between uh, family members. <laughs> Are you guys super competitive? Uh, I think we're, we're always trying to compete for our father's love. Oh, that's, that's tragic. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I absolutely adore my younger brother. He's, um, a very funny kid. Uh, Oh, you're calling him a kid. Ouch. Well, well, he is a kid. What? Like by two years? (laughs) We're, uh, four and a half years, uh, separated. All right. Now let's get down to it. Uh, Adam, you are the head coach of Team Homan for Canada. Yes. Yes. But you don't have a curling background at all. Well, I sort of do. 
That, see, that's the thing that surprised me. I've always known Adam to be a golfer. I mean, I'd read about you in the newspaper as, and you know, winning uh, some tournament here, or tournament there, and then I, then you're the head coach of the curling. How how did this all happen? And are you uh, like, have you been a secret curler all this time? So yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've curled since high school. Um, never never competitively curled. Uh, you're absolutely right. Golf was my my background. Um, played golf throughout university uh, and. While I was simultaneously studying uh, psychology, and uh, the research actually that I've been doing for uh, over a decade now has been how people perform under pressure. So we used golf as the um, testing ground to see how people respond when we are being judged socially. So I love this story about uh, what was it called? You're quick, Hillary. Mm-hmm. This, that, that whole scenario, effectively, is what I study. Now, all the things that were going on in your head about, ooh, do I say something or not, clearly the same thing was happening for him in that moment. But that awkwardness, that social awkwardness, uh, can definitely affect um, sports performance under pressure. We think that these athletes are immune to all of these um, stories that, <laughs> that we all tell ourselves in our heads, and uh, it's just not true. So... Um, I've, I studied that for a while and, uh, it's remarkable because curling and golf are almost identical sports when you think about what the demands of the actual task is. And, um, so I got into curling through, uh, meeting the high performance team from curling Canada and they're all golfers. They love golf and, uh, yada, yada, yada. And here we are. That's insane. That is insane. I'm like, I'm interested in the yada, 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 though. I, I mean, it, that's the whole point. The yada, yada, yada implies that it's not really that interesting. Or you don't no. want to share it. That implies or you don't I'm want to share something, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we won't get into the yada, yada, yada. But so you, you, uh, you how long have you been the team, uh, the head coach? Uh, the this way? is this is my second uh, season as their full time head coach. And very successful two seasons. It's been pretty good. <laughs> yes. How I, I just I was thinking about how successful you've been in such a short period of time. Um, are you? I mean, if you ever take on another team down the road or you you change sports, won't everything else be a letdown in your career <laughs> if you aren't the world champions or possibly the Olympic champions? Well, you know, in in hindsight, no. Let, let's keep this in mind. Those four athletes are the uh, are the show. They're incredible. The, I, I think that um, when you watch sports at a level of competition such as, uh, well, I guess at a, at a world championship level, um, they make it look really easy. But let's not forget that uh, the years and the time and the energy put in to uh, make it look easy is something that we can just never really appreciate. So my job is quite different. I, I come in and, and usually work with high-performance athletes when they already know what they're doing, but it's to help them handle those big moments. So uh, we know that there's just a few things that can derail a performance, and um, my job is to help them overcome that. Now, I don't want you to give away any secrets. Well, I do, but I know that you won't, about what it's like to work for the team. (laughs) But just working with a group of uh, high-performance female athletes does that add another sort of layer to what's going on psychologically because i've worked in an office full of women i worked at i ran a retail store full of women and it was so different 
than being in an office with a mixed company. Well, so I I want you to elaborate on that. How is it different? Women are competitive with each other. Even if you're on the same team, you fight against each other. Well, so keep going. I want to, I want to hear examples Are you where analyzing me. No, Adam, I'm not doing it. Get on the couch, girl. It's happening right now. <laughs> well, no, there so, was just like a lot of infighting, and if one person got more attention than the other, there was there was just constant drama. And and I guess I wonder, or is that a is that a trait that's uniquely uh, female, or are there just people in general who seem to um, have these weird interpersonal dynamics, these weird ways of interacting? I mean, you just you just mentioned uh, a man who was uh, just as awkward for uh, um, at the restaurant, right? Fair. So look, I'm what I'm what I'm trying to say here is I I think that we're we do a disservice when we break um people down into these groups. So we say what's the difference between, you know, men versus women and and the truth is is that if we assign these templates, well this is how I'm going to deal with this situation because they're women. Um we're just not going to get all the information. So no matter what, when I, whoever you're coaching, whoever you're interacting with, I think it's really important to understand who the individuals are. Now, because the truth is, is that I think that athletes themselves have their own unique um, issues that may arise. So there's a lot of um, maybe perfectionism, um, a high desire to achieve, um, and... Uh, maybe an intolerance for uh, making mistakes. So if you think about what happens in a game that is never going to be perfected, in, in a game that you try to be perfect, just like golf, but it never actually happens, um, what's going to happen inside you? How is that communication going to break down on the ice in a, in a really crucial moment? And um, we're using curling as the, again, the analogy here, but, but these things that we're talking about, uh, they apply to all areas in our life. Comparing men to women, yeah. does Team Homan have a hard time dealing with the fact that they're probably always being compared to the men's curling team? Well, so two years ago, they actually were the first uh, women's curling team, I believe, that played uh, in a professional men's event. So it was called the Elite Ten. And uh, inevitably, um, you know, the there are always going to be some chauvinists out there who, who start to to compare athleticism. And the truth is they, they did win one game um, and they, they didn't qualify for the playoffs, but it was, it was so much bigger than that, right? If you think about a team of four women going into a men's event, um, I think some of the men's teams, they're going to be triggered and they're going to be worried about, oh, well, I better not be beaten by the, by the girls. Um, but, but again, as I said, they're such good athletes that um, they certainly can compete. And I would argue that that, that team is not only one of the best uh, women's teams in the world, but arguably one of the best curling teams in general. So, Well, when you talk about performing your best under pressure, because yeah. that, that's literally, if you could bottle that, I would pay an infinite amount of money for that, that recipe. I think most of us would. There are so many of us who buckle under pressure or have buckled under pressure in the past. How do you do under pressure, Hillary? Fairly well, actually. I'm very motivated. Okay, shut up. So anyway, <laughs> for those of us who might buckle under pressure, 
How is it going to the Winter Games when you're the favorite to win, when you're the world champions, and everybody expects you to win the gold? Everybody. I mean, because if you don't, it will, a silver will be a disappointment. Let's be honest. I don't feel that way because I'm just so excited. Uh, anytime I see Canada being represented and all that stuff, but there's an expectation that they must be feeling. How do they cope with that? Because that's so... It's an impossible situation almost. Well, and and that that's exactly it. So I think that there's a number of coaches or there are a number of people who might say, just forget about it. Yeah. Just don't. And, and the truth is, is how could you forget about that? There's no way for you to block that out. And, and, and truth be told, um, I'm a really strong advocate for not shying away from that. Why would you say anything other than what you just said there? Of course, the expectation is gold medal. Why are you playing if it's not to go out there and, and um, go for it all. Now, the yeah. truth is, is that having that expectation, it's, it's only one piece of the puzzle. Now, if you are trying to throw a curling rock while also thinking about what does it mean if I make this shot, there's too many things that are going to happen. And the likelihood of you being able to execute with that in the forefront is um, usually what um, unravels most people's performance. And it's no different. Take any, any sport, um, any pursuit, and it's the same thing. So what we do is you first acknowledge what are you trying to accomplish, and then you break it down into the incremental steps required to do so. So at the end of the day, you're throwing a curling rock, you have to think about the weight, and you have to think about the line. So you don't say to yourself, if I make this, I become Olympic champion. You don't think you, you don't go to, because in my brain, I would be thinking, how many golfers have we seen blow it in that final shot? And it's painful to watch somebody's game completely dismantle in the last, on the last hole. We've yeah. seen it far too many times in golf. And that's what I'm talking about. That moment where you have to make that big shot. That's, uh, I mean, those are the moments that dreams are made of. So even in this conversation right now, it's funny, we're talking about um, going to Korea for curling, but you're talking about golf and yeah. making that last shot. And I, I noticed my heart elevate right really? now. Really? Yeah. And that's the automatic response. So thinking about those big moments, they, uh, I, get, I get excited thinking about it. But I'm using the word excitement rather than terrifying. So the truth is, is, is whether you're excited or you're nervous or petrified, whatever it may be, the body's going to respond the same. So there's going to be elevated heart rate. It's going to be sweating. There's going to be muscle tension. There's going to be all of these things that happen to the body that are very predictable. But it's our interpretation of those symptoms that often can derail us. So if you think, oh, no, now I'm feeling this way. There's no way I'm going to be able to throw this shot. There's no way I'm going to be able to make this putt um, versus, well, of course, I'm going to be feeling this way because I'm in a big moment that matters. And I've, this, is, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Um, certainly that can help. But at the end of the day, what we need to do in all high performance pursuits is acknowledge what we're feeling and then come back to what we are trying to focus on. And at the end of the day, it's what's the line and what's the weight. So interesting. Uh, now, I have a, another question. You work with this team. You play a lot of really important games. Is there a, pre, uh, a pre-match or game sort of tradition that you guys have to prep? Oh, yeah. And so... 
while I could explain what the the recipe would be for for Team Holman, the truth is is that pre game preparation or pre event preparation, or it would be no different than you guys preparing for your your morning shows. I mean, unless Sandra, you just show up and wing it. Um, Pretty much for the last twenty five <laughs> years. But I'm talking more along like a ritual. Well, so are you talking about superstitions? Well, no, not necessarily superstitions, but maybe just, I don't know, is there something that you do right before you play? Yeah, like when I get on an airplane, when, just as I get on an airplane, I always knock on the side of it just to make sure she sounds good. Yeah, and, and usually you can tell by the noise. I know how it's going to go. Right. <laughs> so so what do you do in that moment when you knock on it and you don't like the noise that it's making? What I've, happens? Um, I've, it's, I've never not liked the noise. Or and, I, or I convince myself that I do like the noise that I'm hearing. And you're still here, so it's it's yeah. clearly it's um like it's, it, it's a process that works. Yeah. <laughs> Until I die, it's been a very successful thing. That's right. You should try so, it, Adam. I hear you're not uh, looking forward to that flight. Uh, you know, I'm. It's not. I'm not enthused about it. <laughs> um, I've, I've done a lot of flying over the past couple of years. I'm. I, I spend a lot of time in airplanes, and um, I'm not afraid of flying. It's more the the stuff that surrounds traveling. It's the uh, the germs, the recycled air, the people that are in close proximity to you. Um, it's all of those things that, you know, I can, uh, I'd like to fly private one day. Let's be honest. Let's all be honest about that. But, Wouldn't that be nice? But you, you guys, you wanted to talk about rituals. So the truth is, is that when we are doing something, the key is what does a person need to get activated to um, give themselves the greatest uh, chance for performing? And so we play games in the morning, we play games in the afternoon, we play games in the evening. Um, all of the athletes themselves need slightly different things to get themselves in the state that they need to be in. So if you're someone who's highly nervous, you're high strung, what we would do is we would design a, a pre-game routine for you to get down to the level that you need to be. But if you're an athlete or anyone for that matter who really has a hard time getting up getting excited, getting um, uh, focused for what you need to do, well, then we would do some, some activation. So uh, we are, we're really big on making sure that we leave at the same time. We know how long it takes to get to the rink. Uh, the girls know um, what they need to do to be ready for practice, not ready for the first end, but our, our motto is really being uh, ready to go for the beginning of the game. So music's a big one. So we all drive to the rink together and uh, listen to very loud music. And um, it, it's about being excited and focused and not being afraid to go out and, and let's be honest, dominate. So Yeah. Well, okay, you got to tell me. What's the song? What's the song that does it for all of you? Um, well, I think it's different. So Lisa is the certainly the DJ and she will ha have her iPod out and we, we always have to make sure. Well, actually, one event we didn't have an auxiliary cable and it was a disaster. We were listening to, I think, the local uh, Sault Ste. Marie radio and it just it wasn't working good. out. So, no. Uh, trust me. I used to work for them. <laughs> so is it just a lot of Alanis Morissette? Tell me. <laughs> you know what? It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of hip hop. Believe it or not. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. That yeah. gets you fired up. It and it gets them fired up. And and for me, I mean, I, my job is just to sit there and and pay attention and really notice the subtle differences between when they're at their best and um, maybe perhaps less so. 
Okay, I got to ask about, I, I know I asked about that moment where you're throwing the final, what's that called? The rock? The, I don't yes, know. Yes, it's curling. called the rock. The, the rock thing. <laughs> Heads up, <laughs> neither Sandra or I are curling fans. So no, it's fine. But it's funny that, funny that when you watch the Olympics, you become an expert on all the sports because you just listen, you listen to the wall to wall commentary. Oh, yeah. And yep. all, yeah, all of a sudden I know everything about everything. So I'll know this by March for sure. Um, so you're throwing the final rock and it's, it's, a uh, it's the moment where you can win a gold medal. Is that a moment where you would come out and say something? Never. Okay, that's never, what I wanted never, to never. ask. Would you be like, you can do it, do it for the Gipper? That, no. that doesn't happen. That's just in the movies. Yeah, and in fact, a lot of people um, mistakenly assume that my job is um, one who gives pep talks. And the truth is, is that, that that's not my job at all. Um, while I do believe that thinking positively is certainly not a bad thing, um, it's, it's not associated with the, the key to success is not just believing in yourself because a lot of the times um, that could be delusional thinking. So if you're not doing the right things, if you're not practicing, if you're really not athletic enough to be um, in a, a big moment, thinking that you are, we call that, uh, it, it's, it's delusional. So I like to advocate for accuracy in thinking. So if you're not playing well, if you're not doing the things that you need to, if you're not taking care of your body, if you're not sleeping well, if your uh, things are going on, um, you know, behind the scenes, I think it's far more effective to acknowledge what's actually happening and then move to, well, what are we going to do about it? And the truth is, is that the more accurate um, we can be in our thinking, um, the more that we can plan and understand what's happening inside of us, um, we can solve those problems a little easier. Now, you talk a lot about how important sleep is to performance. Are you concerned about the time change and what it's going to do your, to the girls' bodies and also to you while you're over there? So I can't, underest- I can't uh, state uh, enough how important sleep is. And I, I really do think that we all underestimate the value of sleep. So I don't know how you guys do what you do. Uh, I'm assuming you get up at what, 4.30? 3. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I look this good. I know. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> Sorry. I'm fishing for compliments. Yeah. Three o'clock in the morning. But when you, you just, you just do it. Everyone asks us all the time. How do you do it? You just do and it. And then by Sometimes, Friday you hate your life and then you that's sleep. Right. And sometimes you can't sleep and you have to Elvis your way through the situation. But, you know, that happens. The uh, Sorry, I'm laughing here. Um, <laughs> I'm not dead yet. To be, so to be honest, I, I can't make eye contact with Sandra because I feel like I'm going to burst out laughing at any moment. <laughs> it, because the Elvising? Just, she's just funny. She just makes me laugh. Um, You're going to be thinking about my colon the whole time, I know. Well, I, I, I'm just recovering from, from the opening of this podcast now. Thanks for reminding me. Um. So the, if let's work backwards from 3 a.m., you honest, honestly, to be optimal, to be your best self, to be able to think and be sharp and feel good and uh, be able to take care of all the things that you need to do after your show, you'd have to be going to bed at, what, 7 p.m.? To get eight hours of sleep? Nobody gets eight hours of sleep in morning radio. No, nobody no, no. does. Uh, so, not you, even close. so you guys effectively live with this chronic uh, state of sleep deprivation. It's. I always say I describe it as being jet lagged constantly. Yeah. Your whole life is a jet lag situation, but you just learn how to deal with it. I don't even bother trying. I split my sleep. So do you do you nap in the afternoon? Yeah. So I do four four and a half at night, and then two in the day. 
Yeah, and that and and so that's fine. So a lot. I mean, ideally, would we like uninterrupted sleep? Sure, but the truth is, is that so I'm a huge um, advocate for naps and getting as many hours as you can whenever you can. So throughout the day during a competition, you know, I say I say to well, all athletes is we're we're aiming for nine to ten hours of sleep a night. Now. Really? If you can't do that, sometimes you play a, a game late at night um, and then you have to play again the next morning and it's just not going to happen. Um, so in that case, the very next day, uh, you make sure that you don't schedule in uh, appearances or other things and you say, well, you're going to spend three to four hours napping. So one of the greatest things that you can do in general is find time to sleep whenever you can. Now, it sounds simple, right? Oh, yeah, but it's hard to sleep when you've got a life happening around you. When you have a life happening, when you have uh, kids, when you drink maybe three to four cups of coffee a day, when... On garbage day, it's really hard to sleep. <laughs> yeah. It's like really... Inc- every, or in the summertime when the neighbor has to mow the lawn at 2 o'clock Or they're o'clock building the their back deck. I want... That's right. Someone was <laughs> doing those... woodworking in, in their backyard at That's like right. 9 o'clock at oh. night. I walked out I and I was like, woodworkers. can you not do that now? <laughs> That's right. There's life happening around you. Yeah, and all of those things just sound like easy problems that could be solved. If if you're someone who wakes up multiple times throughout the night, well, you know what? You can get custom earplugs or, I mean, there are But then how do you wake up in the morning when you don't want to wake up? Uh, I don't know. You're what you're asking me as though I'm the expert. Like I know what I'm talking about here. And, and well, it's kind of what you do now, for I'm, a living. At <laughs> I'm just well, I'm, I make it up as I go. I'm kind of following uh, Sandra's playbook here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you almost seem kind of shy about where you're at in life. You know what I mean? I mean, you're you're the friggin' head coach of a world champion curling team, but you seem so, um, uh, yeah, shy about it. Unless well, you're talking I, about is his that brother. The right word? By yeah. the way, <laughs> that's right. But it's like you, you. It's like nobody's given you the memo. <laughs> well, the, and again, the truth is, is I'm not the athlete there. They're they're the they're the star. My role and to do my job well is to support them. In their pursuits, but let's be honest. I'm not the one who uh, sacrificed um, all the time and my body and uh, to to be um, where they are today. So I'm I'm incredibly honored. I uh, I, I know that I'm lucky, and this has been really exciting. Um, but it, it, I think for me to do my job the best, it's about um, not making it about me. Right. And any time that it is, well, I think there's a problem. So uh, I, I love doing this stuff because I'm a big advocate for um, sports. And I think that we need to do a better job at um, giving our children the opportunities to play because the benefits of participating in sport are, are endless. And I, I think advocating for a sport such as curling, um, it's really important. But in terms of... Uh, the it's only important what we do with this opportunity. So great. So you get to go to the Olympics. But if you um, do it through doping, if you do it while um, not having integrity, is it really worth it? Right. So to me, I think it's just yeah. as important with, with you have this platform. So so now what? And um, if I can impart any of those lessons, then I think I've, I've really done my job. But in terms of shy, yeah, I mean, this is not... Uh, I don't, I don't love this. I certainly don't, I don't love this. I'll probably nap for four to five hours after this to recover. 
Because you're coming back from Edmonton and a, and a pretty tough, not a tough weekend, but another weekend away. Uh, was this the last tournament, by the way, before yes. you go to Pyeongchang? Yeah. Okay. So when are you actually leaving to go? Uh, we leave February 2nd and we're going to Japan for five days. So we started talking about jet lag. Uh, the only, there are a few tips that you can do. There are a few things like you can start to adjust your schedule beforehand a little bit, but at the end of the day, only time is going to, um, allow you to recover. So we're going early. We don't start until the 15th of February. Are you going to be there for the opening ceremonies yes, on the 9th? Yes, I am. Is that a moment that, I mean, I think it's a moment that Everybody, whether you're an athlete or not, fantasizes about with the flag in front of you, walking in as a team, wearing all that Team Canada gear. Is the, it, how is that not going to be the highlight of your life? Or one of them, I should say. I don't want to take away from your wedding day or the birth of your children, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I think that, well, the highlight of my life, honestly, is uh, when my son was born. Um, but but secondary, I'm, I'm assuming it's one of those moments that you don't truly comprehend until you're there. Now, again, I've grown up watching uh, Olympics my whole life, and yeah, I, 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 it's cool. Um, but I, I think it'll be, it'll hit you when you're there in that moment. But until then, it's just been a lot of, it's just been a lot of work, a lot of preparation, a lot of uh, administration, and um, there's almost no time to really sit down and, and think about it. Adam, but yeah, I know that your family is incredibly excited for you. We uh, both keep in touch with your parents, and of course, I know your brother. But how is your young family? You have uh, a young son, like you said, at home, and a wife. How are they handling you traveling so much and being away? That's without a doubt been the most difficult part of this. Um, you know, he grows so much every day so i could be gone a week and i come back and he's a he's a new person and um if if you know this job i could live on the road forever if it if it wasn't for him um but again that's that my story is no different than than ev- than everyone we all have sacrifices that you make and um but the food that you eat on the road the the motels get old pretty quickly. Maybe they're not motels, but they're effectively um, continental breakfast. Yeah and, yeah, and all of those little things that that you just really have to um, take care of yourself, and you really have to think about and make sure that when you are home, you you, you put in that time, and you know, so the cell phone goes away, and you, you make sure that I'm not. Uh, always connected, always working, because it's just not sustainable. It's just not um, a pace that uh, I think you can handle long term. So I'm, I'm still working at it. I don't really have the, the recipe, to be honest. Um, when you go to the Winter Games and you win the gold, positive thinking, um, where do you go from there? Like, what's next after that? To the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer, actually. Yeah. That's I, a really good answer. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, the springtime when the, when the course is open. Um, so, I mean, as I said before, yeah, for sure, the expectation from the nation, we're a, we're a curling nation, and there, there's no shame. It's just like hockey. There's no shame in saying, of course, we want to go out and win the gold medal. But we have to remember that um, at 
sports at this level, the difference between winning and losing, it's, it's so minute. Yeah. And uh, there are a lot of uh, really great teams, and we've played all of them, and we've had success in the past, and we've also lost games to those teams. So the one thing that I can promise is that we will leave um, with no regrets and no um questions about oh maybe we should have done this maybe we have a we have a great support staff um i i think they're ready actually i don't think i I know they're ready um and it would be really it would be incredibly exciting to come back with uh with the medal but and like i said if you're focusing on that and that's what you're thinking about um you're you're taking mental energy and focus away from what you need to do and all of these little things that we're talking about right now, that's really what should be consuming your um, day-to-day efforts. You used a word to describe Rachel Holman's face because I was saying I love what I'm not a big curling fan, but there's when I watch it, it's the faces of the, the people that are playing and yeah. the looks on their faces. What is the word you used to describe Rachel Holman? I, I said she was an assassin. Yeah. God, I love that word. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that a great word to describe an athlete? She, she's She's incredible. She's so focused. Um, she's such a unique talent, and um, when I mean the big thing with with Rachel when you watch her throw the rock is her laser like focus. You yeah. watch her eyes, yeah. And um, in the moment, the when when it's time to make those big shots in those big moments, if you think about the tenth end in the Scotties this year, um, she had arguably one of the most difficult shots. Um, everything was going well. We were up two without hammer, and I'm, I know I'm speaking I know, uh, gibberish right I'm now. I'm nodding like I'm understanding too, yeah. which but, is even worse. <laughs> and then out of, out of nowhere, um, she was faced with a very difficult shot just to save the end. And um, But that's what all the hard work and the energy and the preparation is. And, and again, the key with Rachel is um, she knows the game arguably better than anyone in, in the world. So it's not about teaching her how to play. It's about... Um, giving her the opportunity to be able to focus in those moments. And uh, she's worked really hard at that. And so have the other three there. It's fun to watch them. And I've learned a ton about the game by being around uh, them. And um, it's just, it's, yeah, it's cool to see, but I think assassin is the word and whether or not she's feeling, um, I don't think there's that killer instinct in inside per se uh, she's actually really funny and really kind um but in that moment the only thing you should be thinking about is throwing that rock just like a sniper <laughs> adam you've had yes. a lot of success i think it's safe to say in the curling world but have other athletes in other sort of levels of performance that high level have you been approached to be a coach for anything else well, I, I actually worked in golf prior to working in curling. Um, I was doing a lot of travel down to the the states, and I was working with uh, individual golfers um, on on effectively the exact same things we're talking about now. So the truth is, is um, I, I really am happy where I'm at in curling, and uh, if I could work in this game for the rest of my life, I'd be really happy. Um, who knows what the what the future holds? But I know that uh, living in Ottawa, being able to um, work from home and uh, travel across the country, and 
work with uh, junior athletes, uh, it's pretty special. And I, I, I don't really want to be doing much else right now. So uh, in the short term, uh, I can't see any anything changing. But let, let's talk in a couple of years. Who knows, right? Life changes and uh, we'll see what happens. Let's just start with you bringing home the gold, okay? No okay, pressure. Got it. I'm working hard at that already. I'm, I'm trying not to think about it. I know. I know. You just, absolutely. But you know what you need to do, okay? Wink. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Adam Kingsbury, thanks so much for joining us on The Quick and the Dirty. You're welcome, guys. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's nice to see uh, Sandra again, and she's probably going to uh, crack some jokes as soon as mm-hmm. we stop. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're going to get inappropriate yeah. quick. Adam, as I'd usual. like you to thank you for uh, schooling me as a feminist. Oh, did I school a you? A little bit, and I appreciated it. I was like, yeah. Are we stopping recording? No, I'm still recording. Oh, gee, sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, look, ju- just to... Just to uh, say one final thing about that point. I, I just think that we don't even know when we're um, like it, it's so automatic to do just assume that oh there are these traits that are um, inherently female and there are these traits that are inherently male. And I've met many women who um, are aggressive and driven and dominant, and I've met many men who are sensitive and emotional and all of these things that we would typically use to describe as, um, I don't know, female traits. So it's just if we don't change our perception, we're, like I said, we're doing a disservice to it, right? Now, that's not to say that um, we should be unafraid of uh, using our gender as a part of our identity, but um, just change the language just a little bit, right? And um, yeah, so... The more you know, right? Drop some knowledge on you. <laughs> no, I appreciated it. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I just think that um, especially with um, young athletes, um, we can do so much more to empower them. And if uh, our role as coaches and educators is to uh, just make sure that we, that anytime we hear language that is uh, not uh, suitable or not kind of in line with the change that we're um, moving towards, then we just mention it and move forward, right? It's not going to happen overnight, but uh, one conversation at a time. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, guys. And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram, at Hillary on air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter, at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook, at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you've got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.